what happens when someone who is part of the family of God sins? How, how should we respond? What should we do? Uh, this is the, these are the questions we'll be asking as we look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to, through 10. I'm Pastor Jason Barnett, and this is the Dirt Pastorman Podcast. How should we react? 
That's the passage we're going to, that's the question we're going to look at today as we, we study this passage from the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10. And it says, My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one as a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And in this, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must, work, uh, all must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teachers. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap a, har reap a harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, Especially for those of the family of faith. For this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in verse 5 here, my NRSV has it, it Paul writing, if anyone is detected in transgression, in transgression. Some of your other translations here probably have the word caught instead there. Is that, is that true? You have the word caught instead of the word, uh, what, what did they say? Detected. Anybody's, anybody's got that one? No? Yes. Overtaken. Overtaken is another one. Well, understand what, what Paul is trying to convey here is that you know, we as Christians, when we wake up in the morning, we don't just get up and say, you know what? I'm going to be disobedient against God today. I'm, you know, today I'm going to go and do everything I possibly can to make God upset with me. We, we don't wake up and have that mentality. Okay, that's not how it goes for us. What Paul is conveying here is there are moments, what happens is as we go about our day and we run across difficulties, sometimes the heat of the moment is where we sin. Our reaction to the world happening around us is where we tend to mess up and fall short of God's glory. Our response to what's happening. John Wesley wrote, it's, it, it, it's like, sin catches you by surprise. It, it, it's temptation that's just a constant pressure upon you. So you just finally give in and cave way, right? That's the idea Paul's trying to communicate here. Of, 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 he's not writing about someone out in the world. He's writing about someone in the church saying, if someone in the church is detected in sin, this is what you should do. He says, you who have received the, received the Spirit should restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. That word restore, it's like if you, go, if you broke your arm or you dislocated a joint, someone has to go and set it back right for you again. Uh, those that don't know, I've been, I was a youth pastor for several years before coming to you all, and I always had the privilege of going to Pittsburgh District Team Camp. 
And I loved it. And, and I, as I was giving some advice to some of our district leaders going to team camp this year, I said, if you go home and you don't need ibuprofen, some Bengay, and you still have your voice, you didn't do it right. You have to go back home and do it again. <laughs> but anyway, my, my, my last year, the uh, Pittsburgh district played this game called Anarchy. And it's just as it sounds. All right? They take all these giant things like inner tubes and uh, beach volleyballs, we pile them up in the middle of a field. You have two teams line up, one on the, one the end and one on the other. And then your goal is to, no matter what it takes, to get one of those objects to your goal line on the other side. When I say whatever it takes, I mean whatever it takes. This is like a battle of the Spartan army going on in the middle of that field. And so I, you know, I, I went out there playing, and I run out to the middle, I grab an inner tube, and one of the punk kids from my church pumped that back. And he decides, you know, I'm going to put Pastor Jason in an arm bar. And for those that haven't watched him, go home and look up arm bar. So he puts me in an arm bar, but he forgets that I was in the military, and I was trained to respond to such things. And the way you get out of an arm bar, this is an important life, life detail for you to know. If you're ever in an arm bar, the way you get out of it is you roll into it. You go with it. The problem is, I was in my 30s, and I went with it. And so I was able to break free. But after, as the game went on, as we neared the end of it, my shoulders just hurt really, really bad. Like, what is wrong? What's going on here? And so I go up by the snack shack after it's over. I'm sitting there drinking some water, and Nicole walks up, and she, she, I told her, you know, my shoulder's a little sore. She tries to rub with it from me. All of a sudden, we hear this, we feel my shoulder slide and pop. <laughs> I might have dislocated my shoulder playing this game with the teenagers, and Nicole fixed it for me. She set it back right again. Did it hurt? Yes. <laughs> Did it feel better afterwards? Yes. It was still a little sore. I still had to take some ibuprofen, but I lived. That's the idea Paul is communicating here. He's saying that if someone among you is caught in sin, then those of you who receive the Spirit should restore them. Set them back in place again. But notice how he said that, that, that illustration, that understanding of the word restore is so important because when you face that idea of gentleness, understand when you're setting someone straight again who's gone off the path of following Jesus, who's proclaiming to be a part of the family of God but are not living up to it, Paul is saying you should go and correct them. You should go set them straight, but when you do it, don't go into it with a wrath. Don't go into it being angry. Don't go into it with the idea of, I'm going to set them straight, I'm going to give them the I told you so speech. He's saying, go into it like someone who cares enough to set them back right again. Not only does he say that, he says, do this with caution. Understand who you are when you're going to do this. If one of your Christian brothers or sisters has made a mistake, they, they, they have a rough path, they go to the bar, they get drunk, and they call you to come pick them up. If you are a, a, a more alcoholic yourself, you probably are not the best person to go and pick them up. But there is no way else you have to go. Be mindful of that. Don't neglect that unless you fall into the same trap as them as well. Uh, be careful. Now, if you go on in this, this, this section, 
Verse 2 and verse 5, they seem to contradict each other. They seem like Paul's saying two different things. First, in verse 2, Paul says, bear one another's burdens. Then in verse 5, he says, for all must carry their own loads. Burdens? I probably skipped something, didn't I? Oh, there you go. Did you know that? It is a burden to teach the Word of God. 
Those of us who are called to be preachers and teachers, it is a burden on our lives. Meaning we have to take time to make sure we, we study this book for ourselves so we can properly tell you what God is saying in here. It doesn't matter if you're a Sunday school teacher or a preacher. Those who teach the word, it is a burden. It's, it's a lot of work that goes into it. So I'm just going to stay over here. Don't go to the right, Jason. It's a NASCAR race. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> I'm just going to go down, okay? This is going to drive me nuts. All right. But let's talk about, so Paul is talking about the burden of those who preach and teach the word of God. It is work. You have to take time to study and to learn it. Yeah, you know, I, I could get up here and open the Bible and just start preaching. I could do that. And I would probably be able to talk for a good 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 minutes. But it's too important to just get up here and read it. I start prepping for, I will start prepping for next week's message tomorrow. And I will spend all week studying it, wrestling with it, taking it apart, putting it back together, listening to other people talk about it, listening to myself talk about it, and then I will bring it to you. Because it's that important. That is the burden of carrying this, this job to teach the Word of God. And what Paul is saying, so if you benefit from those who, who carry that burden, if you benefit from someone who teaches you the Word of God, then Paul is saying you should pay them. You should give them something. I'm thankful you all pay me. I'm very grateful for that. It's a blessing. But I got news for you. If you didn't pay me, I would still put the same money. But you guys, you guys understand this as a church. Your church mission understands this. Paul is saying that, hey, if you're benefiting from the teaching of the pastor, if you're benefiting from the teaching of your Sunday school teachers, then you should give them something. Let them know how much you appreciate them shouldering that burden. And when Paul's talking about this, yes, he's talking about material things, but he's also suggesting the idea of what you know if, if your teacher gives you a good Sunday school lesson, why don't you start after this the end of the classroom and say, hey, that was an awesome lesson. This is what I got from you. And that's the one thing. When you stop and you tell someone that they did a good job sharing the word of God, you don't just say, hey, you did a good job. Tell them why they did a good job. Okay? Tell them why they did a good job. Because if you don't, it's just like giving them a gold star on a chart. <laughs> awesome, I got the gold star today, but why? <laughs> Oh, it's good for you. What did you take away from it? Remember, I had a, I had a friend that I met here with Kentucky District. If you, if you go up to him and you say, hey, that was a great message this week, Pastor, he'll, he'll look at you and say, well, okay, what did I say? He'll put you on the spot. <laughs> I'm not that great for him yet. I'll give you a few years. Pay <laughs> <laughs> hey, them. Show them that you care. So 
talk, you reap whatever you sow. What Paul is saying is God is not oblivious to what you're doing. God knows your heart. He knows your intentions. He knows your attitudes behind your actions. He knows exactly what it is you're up to and why you're doing it. You might be able to paint a face on and fool everybody else, but make no mistake, God knows. He says, if you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. Pretty much what Paul is saying is, if you sin, if you, if you live according to your, how your mind and your heart want to respond according to the simple brokenness inside of you, you're going to create more brokenness and destruction. Not just for yourself, but for the others around you. But, if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. And that life that Paul is talking about, that is a natural byproduct when you are, when you are living a life filled with the Spirit. If, you're like, if you are living filled with the Spirit in your life, you will, you will display not just you know, a hope of eternal life, but life will ooze from you. Why? Because you have the fullness of the Spirit of God living inside of you. The same God that breathed life into all creation is living inside of you. If you are truly filled with the Spirit and living according to it, it will change people around you. Paul continues, he says, So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all. And especially for those of the family of faith. So Paul is telling us as Christians, and the beginning of this, he's saying, hey, you're going to work together, lift up burdens together. Work together to get through this life and, and pressing through the difficulties, pressing through failures of others. And then here at the end, he's telling us, if you want to reap a harvest, if you want to see a harvest happen, do not quit doing good. Don't become tired from doing it. Paul knows how it is. Read the book of Acts about what happens to Paul. Paul goes from city to city proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. He heals people. He casts out demons. Matter of fact, one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts is Acts and Honey and his partners were walking along. Behind this walking woman who's possessed by a demon. And she keeps shouting repeatedly, Sons of the Most High God! Over and over. And you can imagine how annoyed Paul got. So finally, Paul is annoyed at what's happening about the, the, the oppression this woman's mother. He turns around and he says, I rebuke in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And he, he casts the demon out. And the woman is set free. She's no longer afflicted from this, this possession. But what is, what is the thanks that Paul gets for doing that? The people that she was in slavery to come to Paul and says, Hey, we were making money on her being able to be fortune telling, and now we can't. We're, we've called the authorities, and they're coming to lock you up. Paul gets thrown in jail. So Paul gets, he understands, you know, but even when you work to do good, it's not all characters, rainbows, and unicorns. You're going to get your heart broke. 
It's going to be hard work. But what Paul says, if you keep going, if you don't give up, if you keep pressing forward, there will be a harvest to come in the days ahead. Don't quit. He goes on to say, so then whenever we have an opportunity, whenever you have a moment that God reveals to you to do something good in the life of somebody else, to help lift and ease their burden, do something. And when you do something, when you do good, that gives evidence to the fact that the Spirit of God is inside you. So our question this morning was, what, what do we do when someone among us sins? What do we do? We do the good thing. We do the good thing. The good thing is if one of our brothers and sisters has sinned against God, they are being crushed by that burden. We make every effort to put up and set them happy again. Not in anger, not in I told you so, but we come to them completely honest about who we are in our own struggles. Completely honest about we have fallen short of the glory of God before too. We still mess up. But the same God that gives us grace time and again, the same grace of God that sustains us, can restore them too. And we live, move, and we operate out of that. You see, the problem we have is we live in this world. And I've, I've said this a million times, it's like being overstepped, I'm going to say it again. The, the attitude of this world is survival of the fittest. That is the mentality. You've got to be the biggest, strongest, and baddest to survive. You've got to stay on top. And unfortunately, sometimes that same attitude, that same mentality creeps into the church. And we live our lives in competition with one another. It's like we're living in a giant cosmic version of survival. Every single one of us competing, trying to get a spot at God's table. But I want you to know this morning that God's table is big enough for every single one of us. We do not have to compete with one another to get a spot at his table to sit and dine with him. No, when you give your faith in Jesus Christ, that your spot has been reserved. And no one can take it away from you. That means God loves us and we're not competing with each other. That means when our brother and sister or sister in Christ sins, we don't have to take it, their head and hold it underwater, trying to, to secure our own spot at God's table. No. Because God has already told us that our spot that our spot can be secured through Him, we should make every effort to make sure our brothers and sisters are at the table there dining with us too. The truth is to be a Christian is to be a part of the family of God. Being a, being, a, being a Christian, being a part of God's family, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different kind of family. This is a family that values honesty. God wants you to tell the truth. Your brothers and sisters, we want you. 
to tell the truth about where you are in your life. Not so we can feel better about ourselves. Not so we can compare ourselves with one another, but so that because we want to know that you're hurting and struggling and that way, that way we know that you need help. We, need, we want to know so that we know we can surround you with the love of Christ, that the love that Christ has given us. Not only do we, do we value honesty about what you're struggling with, we also value when you stand up and, and you're, you're brave enough and bold enough to cry, you know, I have sinned against God, I need His forgiveness. We value that because we know the only way to be saved, the only way to found salvation is through confession of sin. So we value that. We, we value when you're brave enough to get up from your pew and come to the altar and ask God to forgive you. We're not going to sit in a pew and gospel about you. We're not going to look down our noses at you. We're going to say, God, glory be to God. <coughs> we value. We value. Honesty. And that means if you're living in sin, you keep sinning again and again. We as your brothers and sisters in Christ, we love you too much. We want to see you in heaven so much that we will say something to you. I have a younger brother named Travis. And he, he lives in Washington State now. And we, trust me, we've had some, we've had some moments. I mean, we're both, we both like basketball, as you can imagine, two brothers playing basketball backyard that every once in a while the basketball game can't wrestling match. We also have that kind of relationship that we can tell the other bigger wrong. And we might get mad at each other for a little while, stop off through our own car and say, how dare you say that to me? But after a while, when the pain subsides and we realize what they said and why they said it, That's what family does. Family doesn't hide the truth from one another. They don't hide who they are from one another. They just, they're just open and honest about it. And when you're open and honest about it, they love you for who you are and even no matter what you're going through. One of the most powerful things when my grandpa Barnett passed away was when he was at, we were at the funeral and his oldest daughter stood up and And her biggest memory of her dad was he never gave you the I told you so speech. No matter how bad you messed your life up, no matter how much, you know, if you, you went to him and got advice from him and you didn't follow it, and he went there to bail, and he would come and bail you out, and he didn't look at you and say, I told you so. It was always, this is how we're going to fix this. This is, this is how we're going to lift this burden up off of you. And that, that is the idea behind the family of God. That was the picture that God had for humanity when he created us way back in the garden. A group of people that loved God and loved each other. And they were there to lift one another up. To lift the other one up when they didn't have the strength to keep going. And that's the last bit. Yes, we value. Yes, we're part of the family, God. Yes, we, we value honesty in this man. But this is a family that, that doesn't just value honesty. It's a family that, when it, when it hears the truth, it seeks to do good for everyone. 
It seeks to do good in the life of the person that is struggling. That's what we call us to do. That's exactly what our Lord and Savior did for us. And the same God that's invited us to the table, that's what he did for us. And we are called to do the same out of love for him and out of love for our neighbor. So if, if this is supposed to be family where we're all honest with each other, where we aren't in competition and we, we celebrate honesty and confession and, and redemption and all that stuff, why is it so many times in church is it that we fail? Why is it in our own personal lives that we know that we can confess to God and that our brothers and sisters aren't going to look down their nose at us? Why, why is it that we fail? Why can't we get it right? Nazarene theologian Artie Howard said this, says this. He says, people fail because they quit. And not because they're overcome. People fail because they quit. It gets too hard in our lives. It gets too hard to do the right things. So we're like, you just forgive it. If it's this hard, it's not worth the trouble. Forgetting that, that everything worthwhile in this life, you have to work at. It's not an easy, press easy, you automatically give it. Think about all the good things in your life. You come in this morning, you say, you know, I have a great marriage, Pastor. It wasn't a great marriage by accident. You had to work at it. You see, we, we remember the blessing that comes out of the struggle. We always seem to forget the struggle. And it's the struggle that made the blessing all worth more than a while. It made that blessing that much more valuable. But so many times we don't reach the blessing because we quit because it's too hard and too difficult. So many times we're ministering to somebody. And we keep telling about the love of Jesus. We keep doing the kind, act of kindness after kindness. And it just seems like there's nothing that's happening, nothing that's changing. So rather than keep on and keep praying, keep hoping, we give up. We quit. Saying it's not worth it.
morning, you've been praying for some name in this coffee can. Somebody that's lost in Jesus. And it seems like the more you pray, the more you reach out, the further the way they go. Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep going. You may be here this morning, and yeah, you may be a Christian. Your faith may not be wavering, but you are being crushed from the burden of your life. You feel so alone in the obstacles that you face. I'm here to tell you this morning, don't quit. Keep going, keep fighting, because you're not alone. Don't quit. Instead of quitting, like, cry out to God. Cry out to God. Cry out to God so the whole family of God can hear you. When you cry out to God, and we all are here as a family of God, we will rise up alongside you, and we will help you lift that burden. But you have to be honest and tell us where, where you're at. Even if that burden is sin, we're not here to judge you this morning. We're here to celebrate the freedom that you can find in Jesus. This message was recorded live at the Greensburg Church of the Nazarene, located at 31 Bluebird Lane in Greensburg, Kentucky. Uh, to learn more about us or to let us know that you are listening, visit www.gbirdnaz.com. Special thanks to Buzzsprout for hosting this week's episode. If you want more from the Dirt Path, please like our Facebook page. 